And actually, after the long run, I was kind of um, I was a little bit happy that it got canceled because I knew I wasn't feeling right. And I, I mean, I wasn't like injured or anything, but just the fatigue, my energy levels were super low. I'd lost weight when I was training, like just all of the things that everyone says not to do, I did. Um, and so technically this is like my second time training for a marathon. Um, and so feeling so much better. I also, one of the biggest things that I did for myself is I actually hired a run coach, even though, you know, I'm a run coach. I have lots of athletes. That was the best thing that I could have done. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I run a race injury-free or get out of the constant injury cycle, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, where I will teach you how to enjoy lifelong injury-free running so you can continue getting in those mental clearing runs and even hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid half marathoner, coach, running physical therapist, and founder of Spark Physical Therapy Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you have been told to stop running with an injury. Learn more about our signature coaching program at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Now, you know how passionate I am about strength training in order to run, and that runners who don't do any strength work are more likely to suffer some of those stubborn running injuries, whether it's runner's knee, plantar fasciitis, IT band syndrome, or tendonitis. And one of the keys to becoming a healthy runner is dedicating time to strength training. However, I get it. It's hard to dedicate the time, get motivated, and have the energy to get in the strength work whether you are going to the gym or you're working out in your basement or living room in the early mornings like I do before work or if you're doing it after work in the evening. I have been on the lookout for a truly healthy pre-workout option to help with energy and focus during my workouts and post-run that will also provide a nutritional boost so I can maximize my recovery and performance when strength training. That is why I am super pumped, literally, that I found Perform from the Amino Company. Perform is an essential amino acid-based formulation that I simply add to water in my shaker bottle and have 30 minutes before my run or gym workout. It tastes great and is easy on my stomach. Perform helps improve mental focus, peak strength, endurance, reduces fatigue, and increases muscle protein synthesis so you can recover faster from your runs or your strength training. I feel great since I have switched my pre-workout to perform, but what I feel most happy about is that I know exactly what I am putting in my body and that it is backed by real research and science. I actually brought on one of the leaders in amino acid research, Dr. Robert Wolf, on the show during episode 92 of the podcast. If you want a deeper dive on the effects and the literature out there on amino acids, hear my chat with Dr. Wolf as I am sure you will be as impressed as I was learning more about essential amino acids and their effects on us as runners. 
there's actually an abundance of research out there documenting the efficacy of essential amino acids with over hundreds of studies demonstrating improvements in focus, performance, and recovery from those long runs and hard effort session workouts. If you're looking for a nutritional performance advantage, we've got a special offer for you where you can save 30% and get a free gift using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to aminoco.com slash healthyrunner. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash healthyrunner. And use the code healthyrunner at checkout to save 30%. Marathon tips to train smart and run strong is what we are talking about today. So if you have an upcoming marathon on your calendar, this is one episode you don't want to miss. Have you been searching what are the best tips for marathon runners or what should you not do during a marathon? Or maybe you're wondering how to prepare for a marathon for race day success Welcome to episode 138 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I have a very special guest and colleague of mine, Dr. Victoria Seckley, who is a physical therapist, strength coach, run coach, and owner of Train Smart and Run Strong. She is going to share her top marathon tips so you can train smart, but also run strong for your big race day. Thank you so much for accepting my invite, Victoria. This has been a long time in the making. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dwayne. I'm really excited for this chat today. Yeah, as am I. Guys, in this episode, it's just going to really be two PT run and strength coaches talking about marathon training and some of the common problems and mistakes many runners make and how you can overcome these to crush your 26.2 miles. Uh, Victoria, on the show, we always start with a little dynamic warm-up, uh, like we would before our runs. Uh, so if you can tell our listeners where you call home and give us a little bit more backstory on how you've really gotten to this point in your running journey and your career. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I call New York City is my home right now. I'm originally from Toronto, though, so I am Canadian. I know a lot of people like to know that about me, but currently reside in Manhattan. I've been here for just about 10 years now. Um, So running in Central Park, the West Side Highway, those are kind of like my usual runs, which a lot of people um, really love to hear about, but it's nothing special. You know, lots of people all the time. That's pretty much what it is. Um, I got started with running. Actually, the, the first race I ever ran, I was 12 years old and it was a half marathon and I did it with my mom. And my mom was the biggest runner in my family. She was training for a race. I actually um, played tennis growing up. That was my main sport. So my mom was training. I wanted to do something different. She wanted me to join her. And I kind of just started running a little bit more with her. I mean, tennis was already quite demanding. And I ran the half and I remember finishing the race and being like, this is such a special feeling, like a feeling that you can't really get from other sports that I'd played. Um, so that's kind of what the bug that bit me was that first race that I ran. And then ever since then, um, I kind of just ran on my own, you know, running was really more of my outlet, not so much of racing and training. It was more like, okay, I'm in school running is what I love to do. 
not really training for anything, didn't honestly didn't run for a watch with a watch for a really long time. Um, and then once I went to PT school, I figured out that what really lit up my eyes was working with runners. Um, and from there, you know, Train Smart Run Strong was born and I haven't looked back since. So that's a, a really uh, quick way of describing the last like 20 years of my life. <laughs> well, you're definitely uh, pretty much like 20 years ahead of me uh, because... <laughs> You found your passion for uh, working with runners uh, a lot earlier in your career than I did. Um, so, and you've also started running where I started like running my first race at like 32, you were like 12. So you're like 20 years ahead of me. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, like the passion didn't really, I never thought I'd be working with runners. Like if you had told me at 12 years old that you're going to make a career out of this, I would have been floored. Right. It, I never saw it like that until a couple of years into actually my PT career um, that I was one of those times in your life when you start out in your profession and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my goodness, is this really what I want to do? And you kind of have to pick it apart a little bit more. And running, I knew, was the thing that I always enjoyed. So just one day, like, wait a second, I can put these together. And from there, it was, you know, so it, it, it's not as simple as I've made it seem, really. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, I give yeah. you a ton of credit, though, honestly, for niching down early on. You know, like I said, if I yeah. uh, could do it again, um, <laughs> I would have done that a lot sooner in my career. And I just love everything, honestly, that you've done um, for yourself, your your career, how you're helping the running community. Um, you know, I've been following your content for the better part of like two years. I remember uh, way back when I was on Marathon Training for Beginners podcast with Harrison and Mo, and <laughs> yes! I believe you were on the, their show, like maybe two episodes before mine. So yeah. I was like, you know, listening to, you know, their show at the oh. time uh, when we had scheduled our thing. Uh, awesome people, by the way. And uh, so great. You know, I've heard you on like other podcasts that, you know, I've been on as well. And, you know, I've started following your Instagram. You post some amazing content um, on your Instagram page. And it's just weird how, you know, the world, the running world, yeah. running health world all connected and a bunch of uh, our colleagues kind of put us in touch. And, you know, I know, yeah. you know, Brooke as well, our healthy runner dietitian. And, um, so I am super excited to, you know, finally actually meet you and, yeah. <laughs> you know, have this, uh, chat today where we can chat all things, uh, marathon running, um, yeah. you know, speaking of running, what is your favorite distance, um, to run a race? And are you like a person who loves running races or you don't run a lot of races? That's a great question. Um, honestly, my race, like the majority of the races that I've run have been in the past even two years, not really, like I said, I really was running just kind of for me as a, as a stress reliever with all of the other things going on in my life, you know, becoming a physical therapist and working, as you know, it can be very demanding. Our hours are insane sometimes like seven to four, 11 to eight. So there's not really much time in there to have a successful training plan. So I kind of just did it on the side, but recently is when I started realizing that I want to race a little bit. I want to see what I can do. So I'm definitely a newbie in the racing world. Um, my favorite distance right now would probably be the half marathon. 
just because I feel like, and we'll talk about this later, definitely, but I'm currently training for a full, which will be my first one, actually. Um, okay. But half marathon is a distance that doesn't require as much time <laughs> and energy as full a full marathon does. Um, and I just love that idea that you can you can actually pick up your speed a little bit while it's still a longer distance race. So 5K, I think, is honestly a tough race to train for for me because I'm not so good at like sprints necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, I would consider myself a longer distance runner. I generally enjoy going out there for 30, 45, 60 minutes, um, even if I'm not training for something. So the half marathon, I think, is a perfect, um, you know, between the two, you can still pick up some pace. You can still get some speed work in your training while also kind of getting in those longer runs that can be almost like cathartic to a point. So, so it's, it's the best of both worlds. I want to say. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Half marathon yeah. is definitely by far my favorite distance. Um, yeah. so this is exciting. This is going to be a, a great chat because you just mentioned yeah. your first marathon is coming yes. up and, and I'm doing my second marathon. So Ooh, uh, wait, my which first, one are you doing? So I'm doing Hartford. Um, oh, awesome. And you are doing New York City, right? Yes. That's yes, awesome. It, what an amazing marathon uh, to have as your first. <laughs> Debut. That's that's what I always said was going to be my first. Um, but oh, yeah. it was because I'm originally from Long Island. So like I always love going into the city, you know, high school years and always, yeah. you know, love New York city. I yeah. personally wouldn't be able to live there, but I love visiting. Um, you know, I, I don't just, blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I just love visiting, love the city. And I was like, Hey, that's gotta be my first marathon. And then when I was training, it was actually right after I finished my PhD, um, work, it was like graduated PhD. And then I was like, Oh, let's do, that was like something really hard for the last six years of my life. What else could be hard? Let me run a marathon. So, <laughs> Oh my goodness. So that's when I uh, signed up for Hartford and I, I was thinking about like, you know, I've always done the Hartford half marathon and, you know, did it for four years in a row. And I was like, you know what? It's like familiar territory. I know where to park. I know where to go at the start line. I know the food. I know what's on the course. I, it was like familiar yeah. setting. And I was like, let me take away like that first marathon anxiety yeah. stuff by having well, at least special. a familiar setting. Right. It's special in its own way too. It's like your grounds, you know, your territory. I totally get that. That's, yeah. So did you, did you enjoy your first one? Um, I wouldn't say enjoy. I, <laughs> I enjoyed the first 20 miles, like many people say. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy then, is a weird word, I guess. Yeah. So five years ago, that was before I became run coach before I really, you know, exclusively started working with runners and learned a lot more about marathon training. Um, so I did all of the wrong things in terms of hydration, electrolytes, and I cramped up at mile 20 and even training wise, you know, my training definitely wasn't anywhere near what it is now. And, you know, locked up like every, not even just like, Hey, just the quads, just the cat. It was like quads, hamstrings, calves, both sides, like not just one side. It was painful, man. I was just <laughs> it was doing that painful walk try to jog, but then have to walk. Uh, so those last six miles were not fun by any means. Yeah. Um, but was I happy with finishing the distance? Absolutely. It was an accomplishment. Yes. Um, yeah. but that's why, I, that's why it took me five years to actually yeah. go back for seconds, but well, it's interesting. now it's, I'm ready. It's interesting that you say that though, because so even though this will be my first one, 
I actually had trained for a marathon two years ago and it was the day after my 20 mile long run that it was canceled due to COVID. So I was supposed to run the Toronto marathon as my first one. That's what I always thought of would be my first full marathon is in Toronto, my hometown. Like that was my first half. That was the whole thing. Um, And so I was training in 2020. It's funny that you said you did everything wrong. I absolutely did everything wrong. I think I ran all of my long runs at like 745 or something (laughs) insane, which is, I can't even think about doing that now for a single long run. I was exhausted all the time. I wasn't fueling properly. It's almost like you have to go through that to recognize you know, how faulty that is, even though we know better, you know, I, I surely knew better, but I held myself to a different standard, which is looking back was just such a terrible thing to do for my mental health, my physical health, like everything was just not okay about that. And actually after the long run, I was kind of, um, I was a little bit happy that it got canceled because I knew I wasn't feeling right. And I, I mean, I wasn't like injured or anything, but just the fatigue, my energy levels were super low. I'd lost weight when I was training, like just all of the things that everyone says not to do, I did. Um, and so technically this is like my second time training for a marathon. Um, and so feeling so much better. I also, one of the biggest things that I did for myself is I actually hired a run coach, even though, you know, I'm a run coach. I have lots of athletes. That was the best thing that I could have done because it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have or what you think, you are always going to look at things differently when it's yourself. Um, and it's so nice to have someone to talk to and to talk through different things and to have a different perspective on my training. Um, and so highly recommend working with a run coach. So it's been like a game changer and I'm feeling so much better this time around. Yeah. I could not agree more. Um, (laughs) even just like offloading, right. The cognitive load of you having to think about your own training with your clients and like everything else. And then exactly. Yeah. Just having that, you know, outside objective view, um, yeah. right. Cause we're going to be somewhat yeah. subjective. And like you said, hold yourself to a different standard and be like, well, Hey, I programmed this for like X client and they were able yeah. to do this and they're a little older than I am and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Right. And, you know, exactly. having a little bit more objective view and yeah. even like you said, just to be able, like, I literally modified my plan today. It was the first time I ever did a, um, coach Lou, who's in our, um, healthy runner coaching team kind of is my coach and yeah. <laughs> he programmed, uh, what do you like to call a spicy long run? Uh, Ooh, last week I, like where I was doing basically, it was like a tempo at marathon yeah. pace for yeah. three miles and repeated that three yeah. times in the middle yeah. of the 16 miler. And it was hard. You know, I got through it. Luckily the humidity was so yeah. much better than it's been so in the previous better. week. Um, but you know, and I recovered well, but I was still a little sore in my calves and you know what, and today was supposed to be a tempo day, a harder one, a seven miler. And I was like, you know what, let, uh, I'm going to adjust things a little bit. Let me move this, you know, do you agree? And then he even had other thoughts that I wasn't even thinking of on how to modify this week's plan. So Yeah. yeah, I would highly, highly recommend, um, 
those, yeah. you know, getting a run coach. And, you know, I think it's, I'm sure you find this as well. Don't you feel like either runners feel like, Hey, I'm too slow to actually benefit from coaching or yeah. like, I'm a slow runner. Like, 100%. I can't, you know, it's only for elites or something, right. Or fast runners. I get that all the time. I yeah. get that. All, I almost think that those runners would benefit even more so than the professionals, the elites, and the the really, you know, much more um, experienced runners. I truly, truly believe that if you're a runner and you have a goal, and that goal can be as, you know, that goal doesn't have to be, I'm going to run this half marathon in this time. It can be something so simple as, I just want to increase my mileage and feel good. Or it can be really simple as, I just want to, you know, run a little bit faster, or I want to run 60 minutes consecutively without stopping to take a break. Those types of runners can benefit so much from working with a run coach, not just from like gaining knowledge and everything from working with someone who maybe knows a little bit more, but also having that reassurance and that back and forth that you can get from someone who is looking at your plan a little bit differently than you are. And every coach who knows that has a coach <laughs> to help right. them. So yes, you can, especially those runners can benefit from working with someone hundred percent. And it's just a matter of like fast tracking your progress, right. Yeah, As a runner exactly. and exactly you know, all of the mistakes that I've made in the last, you know, 11 years, it's like, you know, for the runners that we work with, it's like, Hey, you're going to take our quote unquote clinical experience and our coaching experience. And, you know, we're going to fast track that process, provide you like structure, accountability, support. And, you know, why have you go through all of these like pain points and sticking points, like with running when yeah. a coach can take care of that for you and offload it. So you're not having to worry about the other million things you have on your plate, like taking care of the family and work. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, it's I, almost I, like yeah. a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, and I, I probably would have also said this last year, like before I started working with a run coach, but it's only solidified that point for me even more so and it's not even like it's not like I sit there and tell my athletes like I know better than you on how to modify that's not even it it's like you actually know your body better than I do you always will right that the athlete will always know better it's more of just the conversation that you can have with someone else who understands your goals and understands your training plan so that they might come and say hey I'm gonna miss this run I don't really know what to do. And then it's the idea of going back and forth. Hey, what if we did it Saturday before, you know, two days before this other run, having that conversation with someone who gets you and gets your training plan is huge. And I think a lot of runners can benefit from that. And you never, ever get that from like a stockpile training plan that you just pick off the internet. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's so many times and, and key points in the training cycle yeah. that modifications need to be made. Exactly. And, you know, there are some people who just plow through because they're like, I need to do this. This is on my calendar. Yeah. This is the yeah. training plan I'm following. And yeah. it's like, if we just injured. make this little tweak, right, yeah. we're going to prevent that injury, or yeah. we're going to prevent that overuse and you being over fatigued and not yeah. being able to perform the way you want for your quality, you know, workout that week. Like uh, exactly. I kind of missed my 
tempo. It was like, I knew I wasn't going to be able to show up for the quality tempo run I had in this morning's, right. you know, schedule. So right. let's move it to tomorrow. Um, yeah. It's like those little things that really yeah. make the difference, um, Huge difference in, in right. outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately like you were the one who knew that, right? Like you're, you as the athlete are like, this is how my body's feeling. And right. just being able to tell someone about that and walk through it, like you were able to come up with a plan. I think that that is what's necessary because either if you're kind of doing it on your own and you maybe don't really understand much about like the training plan, or you've never like built a training plan for someone else, it's a lot harder to say, should I skip this completely? Should I just kind of push through it and hope for the best? Or should I try it later in the week? Like there's so many different options that you have. And it's so much better to have someone guiding you through it. Yeah. So yeah. I know you mentioned this is the first time that you're working with a coach and this will yeah. be your first official marathon that you yeah. are running. How has yeah. training been going for you? It's been awesome. I, I like almost feel like I have to knock on wood somewhere. Every time I say this, my coach checks in frequently and I'm always like, I'm feeling good, but I'm scared to say it. Yeah. Um, no, but it's really, I mean, at the end of the day, like I've been putting in the work. I've been fueling like crazy, like double the amount that I ever have um, in a regular training cycle. And it's making me feel, that's probably number one, like the biggest change that I made. Second biggest change that I made was I truly run my easy runs easy. And that allows me to feel like when I get back from a run, I am not crushed. I'm not like so tired. I'm not limping around, you know, all of the, the type of stuff that I was doing the first time around. I'm not. I'm energized. I'm ready for the next run. Um, and the third thing that I'm doing is also keeping my strength training consistent, which I never really have done. Um, and I think that's made a really big difference too. It doesn't have to be like the hardest thing, but it's just, you know, I get it done twice a week. That's it. It's not like I'm killing myself doing, doing the strength. Um, and I think it's making me feel pretty good. So who knows all of those combined probably. <laughs> wow. Such great points. And I'm sure we can even go in yeah, to a little bit down. more depth of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. but did you, I'm just curious, is this yeah. a kind of 16 week, a 20 week, like training block that you're doing for the marathon? Oh my goodness. I don't even know when we started. So I can't, I, I, okay, I'll give I you an example. It. I'm hitting my 20 miler this week. So, and New York is yeah, two and you a got half time. months away. Yeah. Yep. So um, I'm feeling really good about that. Uh, it's just, but that's not for everyone. You know, I yep. would preface that by saying like, I have athletes that are not yet at that point and maybe because they were at different points when we first started. Um, but for me, I think that we were just able to do it because I was coming off like a pretty, pretty awesome spring as well. Um, I actually also got COVID though in April and I took three weeks off. And mm -hmm. I only really started after that time off. I had to give myself that time off. I felt it like I, even though I didn't really get too, too sick, I just listened to my body. Um, and thankfully my coach is super understanding and kind of just let me take as much time as I needed. And I think that because I took that almost like an off season there between the two, and then I really started going into marathon training, um, that allowed me to progress a lot quicker. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a long, I think we maybe started even in June, I want to say. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I think you bring up a good point in that yeah. you really, the training starts well before the marathon and yeah. maybe even that's where we could honestly start our kind of conversation here, um, yeah, our specific conversation on like, you know, tips yeah. for marathon training um, yeah. is the training isn't three months, four months, even five months before the marathon, right? It's the body yeah. of work, right? Like hopefully exactly. the years that you've yeah. been running consistently yeah. and not just, Hey, you signed up for New York or you won the lottery and it's like, Oh dang, now I need yeah. to start training. Right. Yeah. Like and the that's running what the and the training people do. I, I want to say, I but I also think you make a really good point. I feel like runners have to start looking at their training in bigger blocks, like almost like a yearly calendar thing. And in that year calendar, it's not just continuous training. It's off season. It's base building. It's, you know, like shorter, shorter races. It's like, get, you know, slowly getting longer, like not just one marathon in the spring, one marathon in the fall, no break in between, just go, 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 go. Like that's not, that's not really a sustainable model for most people. I get that some people can do it, but I also think that maybe you have to start looking at their training even further. Like maybe they took a whole year off and they just are feeling much better. They're in a better place and they have that amount of energy. Or you can really start to nitpick and be like, okay, but how many injuries did they really have? How are they really truly feeling? Because I think just going race to race, back to back without taking any time in between, probably not for the majority of us. I know it's not for me in general. So looking at it as a whole is a really, really good point. I couldn't agree more. I think getting into a race, a training block or a training for a race too quickly without the body of work, like you mentioned, yes. the base training yes. phase of really yes. building that solid foundation for which yes. the training comes on. And then also running too many races, people getting super race happy. They want to yes. do all these races and they're really, you know, taking away from their primary goal. Um, yes. So exactly. yeah, I've done less and less races, um, you know, the last five years. Um, I used to do three to four half marathons a year and like four to six, five Ks, maybe a 10 K or maybe a 10 miler, but I've definitely, you know, gone a lot less and really focused on the process, focused on, you know, the base building, focused on all those kind of principles. And I can really see the benefits. And we see so many like runners who get injured because they are just race happy. Go, go, go you know, they see the metal and it's like very appealing and they just want more yeah. metals. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's I like, love at what cost? Behind you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But this is like 11 like- years <laughs> of work behind me. It's not like True. a year. Right. It's I a- know, but that's it. Like there's time, like there will be that race, you know, that there will always be the race. And I, at least from what I learned this spring is I signed up probably for one too many. I was thinking of doing the nine plus one for next year. Um, and I actually decided I'm not going to do it, but that also kind of gets to you and you're almost like, Oh, I'm just going to sign up for this one. And I'm not going to race it. I'm just going to, I can't not race. A race. Like I showed up to oh, yeah. every single one of those races and I pushed myself hard and it is not easy to just show up to race and be like, I'm just going to take it easy. Like a walk in the park. 
most of us, most runners are competitive and we like want to hit our PRs. And we, even if we say we don't, it, there's something about that race atmosphere that almost pushes you to a little bit more than you necessarily thought you would. Um, and we got to be careful with that. You know, I think there's something to be said about like not continuously having a race on your schedule and just kind of allowing yourself to chill and maybe put your focus somewhere else. Yeah. Same. I yeah. cannot yeah. run a race easy or just like yeah. wave to people smiling. I try to yeah. smile because I hear that makes it easier mentally, you know, so yeah. I, even though I'm going hard, I'm smiling. I am giving totally. a wave, you know, maybe not yeah. the last, you know, mile or two of a half, right. but you know, I'm, right. I'm trying to smile, but yeah, it is not a fun run by any means. I'm like, Hey, if I paid for this thing, like I want to like test my fitness and like see where yeah. I'm at. Right. Like you get yeah. a little competitive edge. And, totally. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into maybe some specifics. What are yeah. the, let's go with, um, kind of most common problems or issues that you find, um, with a lot of the runners you work with, um, yeah. regarding their, let's go, maybe we'll bucket this into like run planning or running strengthening or strength plan, and then maybe even some like race day prep stuff and things you've yeah. learned, you know, over the years and common mistakes that you see, um, in runners. So let's talk kind of yeah. running. And I know yeah. you had mentioned one thing that you've done is, you know, making sure that you are running those easy runs easy. Um, is that one of the most common things you see in the runners you work with, or is it something else? hundred percent hundred percent easy running. I mean, and it's hard because I think a lot of runners are kind of stuck too on like monitoring their heart rate, doing this, doing that. And we almost kind of lose touch with what our effort level actually is. Um, I think a really, really good way to train that, like if you're, if you're going out there and you are scheduled for an easy run, and let's say it's, not your long run, because that can be a harder one, but it's an easy run during the week. And you feel like you end that run and you're still tired or like that was hard. You're kind of panting a little bit. I always like to say, you got to drop the pace down when you can end those easy runs and feel like you could still run forever. That's how you want to feel when you're ending an easy run. Like you could keep going. And I think there are some tips to doing that. Running with a friend is huge because conversation pace, that it's named conversation pace for a reason. You have to be able to keep a conversation. Like that's kind of the easiest way to gauge truly what your conversation pace is. It's run with a friend around the same pace. Make sure it's not someone who runs faster than you because you don't want to feel like you're going too fast and can't really keep up. And if you can keep a conversation that whole time, that's how you know kind of where that effort level lies. So figuring out where that is is super important from the beginning. I think that has to be done kind of what you were talking about in base building. So right off the bat, from the start of, you know, a marathon training season, you gotta figure out what your easy pace is and really don't get to never worry about what the pace actually is, what the number says on your watch. Take that out completely, especially if you're training in the summer and it's hot, pace does not matter. Your body doesn't know pace it knows effort level. So I even have some of my athletes write down like on a scale of zero to 10 after each run, what they truly think that level was because it's, it's subjective, right? Someone five out of 10 isn't going to be someone else's five out of 10, right? But if you start to kind of build 
um, a log of all of those numbers, you can start to see a little bit more of a trend. Um, but I think at, at the end of the day, you know, really not staying focused on the pace and tapping into what that effort is, is the most important part of finding what your easy runs are. And the reason you do that is because you have to recognize that a marathon training cycle is long, it's strenuous, and it's not easy. It's almost like runners have normalized and like normalized the marathon distance when in reality only like one or two percent of runners have actually run a marathon before and it is not an easy race to run no matter what people tell you no matter what you see no matter how many medals you see hanging on someone's walls how many marathons they've done it's not an easy race so making sure you have that easy running down from the start will allow you to first of all make it to the end of the training cycle keeping your body happy, not too fatigued, um, and not injured. So drop the pace talk. Pace doesn't matter. Effort matters more. And ultimately, that's what's going to get you to race, race day. But that's just my thoughts on the easy running. <laughs> I love it. Effort yeah. matters more. And yeah. that is something that we stress a lot with our clients is, you know, rating of perceived exertion and RPE yeah. um, versus yeah. really perseverating on the pace and yeah. perseverating on your heart rate, like you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, and we just had a heart rate training episode um, with Denny Cray. And, you know, he yeah. talked about that and, and just keeping it. But the, the philosophy and the mindset is the same as far yeah. as with heart rate training is you got to keep the heart rate low. If you're yeah. keeping it low, you're going easy. Your yeah. RPE is easy. And, yeah. you know, just I love using effort because it yeah. will change your pace depending upon the conditions, right? Yeah. The course, you know, if yeah. it's a hilly course or the weather, right? We've just had yeah. some like extremely high dew point weather that we were running in um, pretty much all over the country um, the last yeah. month or two. And, yeah. you know, that affects pace and that affects yeah. recovery and that affects how we're going to be able to bounce back from our runs and be able to yeah. continue moving forward in marathon training. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more, you know, going on effort. Time to take a real quick break. And before I say any more, I truly hope the message so far today has benefited you either from a running or health standpoint. Staying in line with that theme, I wanted to take this opportunity to share with you a brand new exciting partnership with Naboso, which is a company that is dedicated to redefining what's underneath your feet so you can feel more to move better as a runner. From a movement prep before your runs to foot recovery after those hard speed workouts or long runs, Naboso's textured products lets your senses guide you and connects you to your exercises and your running by strengthening your feet and helping you recover from your runs. Want to learn more on how you as a runner can activate, strengthen, and recover from running? Listen to episode 116 on this podcast to learn from Naboso founder, podiatrist, and human movement specialist, Dr. Emily Splickle herself. We had a value-packed episode learning how she took her conventional podiatric medical degree and combined it with years of experience and expertise in human movement and sensory science to found Naboso. 
Dr. Emily shared with us the importance of foot stability for runners, what is sensory stimulation, the benefits of toe spacers, and barefoot training for running. There's so much value in this episode, so be sure to go back and queue up episode 116 on the Healthy Runner podcast to listen to during your next long run to learn more about Naboso. I personally have always battled a mild case of plantar fasciitis and have been using the NeuroBall to get out those hard-to-reach trigger points in my deep foot muscles that foot rollers just frankly don't reach and get to. I have also been a big fan of the toe spacers for the past 10 years, but have yet to find a pair that is actually flexible as comfortable and that I can tolerate for hours to help realign my toes and stretch the small muscles in my foot. This has been clutch, honestly, for my claw toes that I have and helping my plantar fasciitis. I just love doing 10 minutes of elevation with my Naboso splay on after a long run. Naboso's recovery socks are like your traditional running compression socks, but they are the first ever that stimulate your nervous system and enhance movement with their patented textured surface on the inside of the sock. Matter of fact, as I'm reading this right now, I have on my Naboso splay toe spacers and I couldn't imagine my feet tolerating the hard half marathon training I am doing right now without some of these great products at Naboso. Learn more about how Naboso's Texture products connect you to your exercises and your running by strengthening your feet and helping you recover from your runs. Since you're a part of our Healthy Runner community, you will get 20% off all of your orders. Just use the code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order using the special link we have in our show notes. Go ahead and give Naboso a try and your feet will thank you for it. I know mine already have. Now let's get back into this episode. And then the other thing I want to add, and uh, it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on this as well, um, because I feel like I've always wanted to mention this in previous episodes that we've talked about kind of running easy, but for some reason it goes in my head and then we get into a different like conversation (laughs) and I never mention it. But, and I always tell my clients, this is like easy, but it doesn't mean slow and sloppy, right? Like we want to go easy, but still have good running form and make sure you're maintaining your cadence because a lot of people, 100%. when they slow down, they start changing their form. Their cadence slows down a lot. They start overstriding. They start becoming, you know, just slow and sloppy, getting more hip drop because yeah. they're just going slower and they're like slumping down. They're getting all this like vertical displacement going on. Um, yeah. Do you find that's the case as well? And you need to kind 100%. of coach your runners. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. When I was first learning what my true easy pace was, I was completely sloppy. And I almost, I think I gave up on it at once the first time I did it. Cause I was like, this can't be right. Like, I don't feel good with, with how this feels. And for me specifically, and I think it's different for everyone. So it is important to work with like a run coach or a PT on this specifically. But for me, cadence is big. So recognizing like having the cadence on my watch and being able to monitor that making sure I don't slip below 170 which is my number again different for everyone but Mm -hmm. I figured out that that's where I my body feels best and something else that that really helps me to like little form things one keeping my chest up like I just literally think keep my chest up that's it very simple you know and this is usually when I start to fatigue or like I feel like I'm kind of slumping down just bring my chest up kind of I think it helps also helps me breathe um, and it helps me stay in a better posture. Um, And the last one is just like picking up your feet a little quickly, which 
which I think is similar to cadence, but that's something that I also do with my running. Again, I'm being very specific to me because it's different for a lot of runners. But for me, when I think about just picking my foot up a little bit quick, more quickly, I don't feel as sloppy. Um, but that's a huge point of it is like, you almost have to, you, you have to maintain that strong position and that strong posture. You can't just like, okay, you know, step after step, like I'm just, this is so easy, whatever. It's not about that. Um, but then in time, you know, the more you think about it, it kind of becomes second nature after a bit. Yeah. And it, it yeah. takes time. And I was the yeah. same way, Victoria, like when I was mm -hmm. really trying to slow down. So just yeah. to put, you know, some numbers in context for folks, yeah. um, you know, my easy runs, I used to go at like low nines, mid nines. Yeah. And now yeah. I really hang around 10, um, yeah. you know, anywhere from like 945 to 1030. And sometimes even for my long runs, I'll go to 11 for like the first mile or two just to start super conservative. Or if I'm doing something like, you know, I, I mentioned doing the spicy long run with some like, you know, marathon paced miles when Absolutely. I'm doing the rest in between those easy miles are super easy. And, you know, I'm making sure that they aren't. You cut um, out there. Sorry. I couldn't hear you with the last 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So uh, sorry. <laughs> my apologies. My internet yeah. for some reason uh, was a little <laughs> unstable. I think it was thinking uh, about my mental capacity being unstable, <laughs> but it was, it was just my internet. <laughs> um, Repeat the last like 10 seconds. Of yeah. Your, so of I was saying like, yeah. even for yeah. something like the long run that I was mentioning, I was doing marathon pace mm -hmm. miles. And then there was a break in between each interval of a mile that break in between right. was like super slow. I was like 1045 to 11 pace, yep. but I was, I do the same exact thing on my Garmin. I programmed a specific screen that has, you know, the variables I like to look at, which is basically yeah. cadence. Um, yeah. I do like to, you know, see what the pace is and see, you know, how right. fast I am going, but I me am too. looking at that cadence. And for me, my number has improved. So I, it is <laughs> awesome. like 168. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm, I, I strive for 170. Um, yeah. but, and I like that you mentioned that just in case other folks are listening, they're like, well, I thought cadence was supposed to be 180, right? Like that's what people preach. And I find yeah. it extremely rare to ever run into a runner who has 180. And I would agree right. that that's 100%. not normal for everyone. And it does yeah. depend upon the person. Um, also it depends upon your height. Um, yeah. so, you know, if you're really yeah. tall, you got really long legs, it's going to be yeah. harder for you yeah. to have a faster cadence. Um, yeah. But I've, yeah, like you said, like just getting that feedback and being able to see in real time, how do I feel? Am I keeping it easy? Okay, this does feel easy. I can hold a conversation. Hey, I could be out here for hours if I really wanted to. And oh, by the way, let me, you know, pop my watch over and check my cadence and just to make yeah. sure that I'm not. But now I notice yeah. that when I check, I'm like, wow, I was actually. It's actually good right on track. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. two, three years ago, when I first got my Garmin, and I started looking at that variable. It was a lot slower every time yeah. I would like get into the long run. And, yeah. you know, as the long run went on, yeah, yeah, it would continue yeah. to drop, continue like to drop. Key. And I was like, what the heck, yeah. man? But I yeah. do the same thing as far as like, I just think of like running on hot coals, or I yeah. do like the cue of like chest out, head up, almost like string pulling your head up. Um, yeah. And then the other one that I found helpful for myself is like, just think knee drive, almost like leading yeah. with flexion versus yeah. 
kicking out in front of you and just think Absolutely. knee drive, knee drive, and just like visualizing, you know, like yeah. that sagittal plane view, that side view yes. of a runner with like their yes. knee up. It's a Picture. Yeah, 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 that yeah. that helps me uh, kind of increase that. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's a very, very um, valuable point. Any other things that you recommend for your runners who are going through marathon training in regards to like their run plan? Yeah, um, in regards to the run plan, definitely, um, I would track. You know, I, I'm going to preface this by saying you can still train for a marathon and it be like time based versus mileage based, you know, it, that's okay to do. Actually, a lot of my midweek runs are time-based and weekly runs are mileage based, but I still overall do track my weekly mileage. And I think that has been huge for me, especially with the long runs. So something that I did wrong in the first, uh, first time when I was training for the pseudo first marathon that I ran, uh, which I never got to 26, but I trained for the whole thing. So <laughs> I'm taking it. But my long runs were like way over 50% of my weekly mileage. So I was running like two or three times during the week. And I mean, honestly, I was busy. Like I had a lot going mm -hmm. on. I was in, you know, year four or five of being in, in corporate PT. Um, I was overworked. I didn't really love what I was doing. And I was training for the marathon. and I didn't have a lot of time during the week. And I was just kind of like, well, my long runs will make up for it. So I was running like three, four, five miles, maybe six or seven during the week, and then running like 15, 16, 17 on the long run. And it just got exhausting. Like, yeah, I didn't fully get injured, but I didn't feel as good as I do now. And I think a huge reason is the long runs. Yes, they matter. You have to get that that long run number up. You don't want to just run a marathon after doing like 12 miles is your longest run. Um, I wouldn't recommend that, but it's the overall weekly mileage. I think that as a whole, that matters more. So keeping that general number up and making sure that that long run isn't like an outlier where your other base runs or your week midweek runs are like so much lower because then you're just, your body's just generally not used to running that long. And guess what? What you're training for requires your body to be comfortable with running long. So, you know, that's probably, especially if this is your first time training for a marathon, giving yourself that amount of time to build that overall weekly mileage, I think is super important. Um, and that takes time. Like you can't just do it one day being like, oh, I'm only at 20 miles a week. Okay. I'm going to do 30 miles next week. Like that's a little bit too much of a jump. Um, but easing into it and recognizing that it's not just the long runs that are important, but everything as a whole, um, I think has been a huge, huge thing for me and for my athletes as well. Yeah. So really looking at that big picture from a yeah. weekly standpoint and, yeah. you know, this really speaks to what um, Victoria was talking about earlier with regard to base training, right? Because yeah. you can actually get that weekly mileage up during your base training period. And, you know, I shared with our listeners after my last half marathon, um, when I made my big announcement, uh, to run this marathon, um, <laughs> kind of, you know, some of the things that I learned during that cycle. And that was actually the highest weekly 
volume that I've ever done before in training. And it's because I I had this base training period during the winter where I didn't run an early spring half marathon like I typically would. Right. So I had this longer base building period. And then during my half marathon training cycle, I was able to peak at a higher mileage. But some of you might be surprised. I'm halfway through my 16 week kind of cycle here for this marathon. And my weekly mileage is actually still less than it was at the peak of my half marathon training. Right. Right. So, you know, I think you make a good point as far as like not jumping up too quickly, but being at a place because my body is getting new stress with these long runs that I just mentioned that I did a 16, I haven't done in five years, right? Like that is stress to my body. I don't want to be increasing my weekly volume at the same time that I'm adding stress, you know, for these longer, long runs um, as well. So kind of taking a look at that big picture. I love that you say that because that's another really good way to kind of look at your week is like how many like stressors do you have in that week? So long run, definitely one of them, you know, that's a harder run in the week, a quality workout, one that you have speed, that's something that's going to give a little bit more effort. Even I would say, you know, a day where you're including strength training on top of a run, that's a hard day, making sure that that's not every day for you right? You don't want every single day to be like, you know, you're doing a quality workout, you're doing a run with a strength day, you're doing, you know, a long run the next day, all of these things going on, you want to have enough recovery time. And that's, again, going back to the easy running thing. That's what those easy runs are for, right? Like having a little bit of time in between those quality workouts or those hard sessions, and recognizing that you don't want to change too many of those variables at once. You don't want to increase your mileage while also adding new speed sessions while also doing, you know, like all of the things at once. Um, and that can also probably take us to the strength training stuff. Um, but I don't know if you wanted to add to that. Yeah, no, I, I just couldn't agree more. And then the only last thing that I would add in there, yeah. um, because I don't think I've mentioned this before in a previous episode, either regarding the run plan is yeah. the importance of the long run and not yeah. breaking it up. I have so many people I hear about Good like, point. oh, the weather, this and that excuse right. here. And you know what? Yeah. I was supposed to run 12 and I ran eight and then I'm going to run four tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't create the same stimulus that training no. is intended for the marathon distance. You yeah. need the time on your feet. You need yeah. to be out there for hours because your race yeah. is going to be hours whether it is three hours, four hours, five hours, six hours, (laughs) you're going to be out there for hours and you need to allow your body to adapt to the demands of being out there for hours. Um, so I couldn't agree more. You can't bring up the long runs guys. If there's anything to sacrifice and modify in your week, it will be moving around some of those shorter runs, maybe modifying your mileage. Um, but you can't miss those long runs. Um, you know, obviously if you're, you're having a a current injury that creeps up, pops up, that's where it's so important to see a running PT, uh, who specializes working with runners, who's not going to tell you to stop running and training for that (laughs) marathon that you have, but never can actually 
get you better yeah. quickly and modify, tweak it just a little bit. Maybe yeah. instead of running 16 for your long run this week, you take it down to 12. And then hopefully yeah. next week you're pain-free. And now we can do that 16, not say, Hey, don't run for two weeks. And then if you're pain-free, go back to your training. And then you get people who like jump right back into 16 and they haven't run in two weeks. Right. Yeah. Like, it's kind That's of a, such a good of point. <laughs> it's such a good point. I, I want to go back to what you said too, about like the breaking up the long runs. I feel like a lot of the runners almost see it on like professional athlete pages where they're like, I went out for an eight mile run in the morning. And then I did four miles at night. It's like, okay, they can do that because they're not only doing that. They're also putting the time on their feet, like at the same time. Right. So it's like, you can't really compare to those professional elite athletes first of all you never know what's going on behind the scenes like to your point they could be injured and maybe there's that's something they're doing to help ease their injury for a little bit who knows like we never really get the full picture behind anyone's training as much and as open as people are um i just don't you, you never see the full picture on social media case in point but also to your point yeah half it like for long distance running half marathon full marathon it's not just about the mileage. It's about getting that mileage in at one time because that is what you are doing. <laughs> like there's literally no other way to put it. You can't really like take a couple hours off your feet and be like, oh, it's the same because I did the overall mile. No, it's like your feet have to get, you, your legs have to get used to doing that mileage in at the same time without any huge breaks. That doesn't mean you can't like stop and walk for a little bit. That doesn't mean like any of that kind of stuff. Obviously that can happen, especially in, in the heat that we've been dealing with. I will allow some walking breaks. I even think that that's a better way, especially if it's, if you're more likely to get through it in that time that you're on your feet already. But yeah, breaking up the long run, very rarely done. Um, if you see professional runners doing that, that's not the reason they're doing it is to get their full mileage in that day. So it's like a completely different, separate thing, I would say. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point that our lives are much different. Most of us are working yeah. full-time jobs or two jobs exactly. or whatever we're working. We're probably yeah. on our feet a lot more than the professional runner who might be, you know, yeah. going to see their PT, then their massage therapist, then hitting, you know, the steam room and the jacuzzi in between those yeah. runs and, yep. you know, having a professional chef or a nutritionist, <laughs> you know, giving them their meals. Right. So they're doing like all the yeah. other things yeah. that you are probably not optimized and maximizing in your life, uh, yeah. that complement the training that they're doing. Right. Um, yeah. All right. Exactly. So those are some uh, of the big kind of run tips and mistakes. I think we hit upon a good amount. Um, yeah. So let's get to this topic of something that I know the both of us are very passionate about. And I think it is, um, you know, something that, you know, when we work with our runners, you know, we're not only giving them run plans, but the strength training is, if anything, almost as important as the run plan. And I don't, and I never, ever call it cross training. I know some people think of it as cross training, which I think is crazy. Um, not, you know, not correct. It, you know, <laughs> so passionate. And I, I've seen right. your posts on Instagram and I know you are as well. And it yeah. is a, a firm belief system, but I guess, 
you know, everyone who's listening to this probably heard me, uh, you know, rant on this topic before, but you know, why, why is strength training, um, so important for someone who's training for the marathon? Like, aren't they doing enough stress to their bodies, like (laughs) training for a marathon? That's a really good, that's a really good question. It's a great way to pose it. And ultimately here's why is first of all, you got to look at strength training as different than running. Like it is not, and I think a lot of people get this mixed up because they love doing like hit classes and like a lots of jumping in their, in their workouts. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm like jumping because I'm running and running is jumping. They're actually like, I see them as two completely separate things that runners should be doing both of. So you have your runs, which you work on your endurance, you work on cardiovascular, you work on spending time on your feet. All of that kind of stuff is great when you're running and when you're marathon training, right? You already have that. What the strength training is doing is really almost like prepping and priming your body to be able to handle those high demands that running is asking you to do. So strength programs are not going to look like running. It's not like you're going to end the strength session sweaty and like, you know, as fatigued as like a long run, right? The strength is almost like, how can we ask your muscle, your muscular system as a whole to work in a way that it's like in a more controlled and a more um, defined setting versus the running, right? And that almost allows your body to improve and to work on how the muscles are working and the control of your overall system. I keep saying the word control, I think, because it's super important um, when you're doing this running activity, right? So they're really two separate things. It's not about high intensity, um, fatigue, sweat, like all of that kind of stuff. It's about slowing things down, controlling the muscular system so that you are better prepared for that high mileage, for those long runs, for those tough running um, days in your running plan, if that makes sense. Oh, it, it makes you complete can tell me sense. If I made sense. It makes complete sense in my mind. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I love um, that you brought that point up. That yeah. you know your strength training shouldn't look like a hit class. It shouldn't look like yeah. a boot camp class. Yeah. It should actually work on loading and strengthening the muscles yeah. because that helps protect our tendons. Right. We right. know the most common injuries, whether it is you know, patellar tendonitis, uh, posterior tib, Achilles, um, all these tendon injuries we see a lot in runners, even outside of the hip pain, um, you know, runner's knee, like all of those can be prevented with strengthening and loading those tissues to tolerate the demands of running. Um, So I think that's a first good point. And then the other point that just popped in my head, see, like all these things, I, I just knew like this would, this conversation would be natural. Like guys, in case you're wondering, like we didn't prep for this whatsoever. We had no outline. We're like, you know what? We're just going to talk and we're just going to have this conversation and look at it. It's just flowing beautifully. Um, right. Is the concept of, I get a lot of runners who are running and they still have the mindset of, it's exercise. And when I exercise, I need 
a hard workout yes. where I need to be sweating. I need to feel at the end, like, yes. oh my goodness, I taxed my body. That means I did something good. That means I like exercised. And those that come from whatever it is, like the cardio, like the old school step classes or the old exactly. school, like, um, or even like, honestly, some of the spinning classes, right. Where it's like every single time you go, you're freaking dripping sweat, right? <laughs> yeah. Like if you come from that mindset and you want to become a runner and you right. want to do it in a healthy way for yeah. longevity and you want to yeah. run a marathon, let's say like every run. So just going back to the run just for a little bit is not going to feel like a cardio workout where yes. you've taxed your body, where you're dripping sweat. Like you mentioned, when you finish that easy run, you should be able to do it for like, you know, yes, a bunch hours. more miles. Yeah. Um, so that's the like big mistake I find with a lot of novice runners is mm -hmm. they think that, oh, when I go out there and run, if I'm not sweating and panting, yeah. and that means I didn't do anything. That yeah, means no, like enough. you actually yeah. need to feel like you didn't work out actually. Mm -hmm. And yes, you were exercising. Mm -hmm. Yes, you were running, but you're allowing your body to adapt to the yeah. demands of running where exactly. you progress in your fitness a lot quicker and in a safer manner. So yeah. you don't get injured, right? Like yeah. injury rates are ridiculous, right? Like I know some studies show like 60, 70% of runners like as high yeah. that are getting yeah. injuries and it's yeah. not normal to train for a marathon and have an injury pop. Like that's not yeah. normal. Like you right. can train without yeah. actually suffering an injury. <laughs> well, I think it also goes back to like, you know, kind of bringing it back to the strength training. And I, I see a lot of runners make this mistake too. Kind of what we said about the running. You, it's not like you're introducing like new, super hard exercises in the middle of a marathon training cycle, right? That work should be done before you should be doing you should be taking an off season or maybe even doing it in like the early weeks of the base building where you're like okay I'm going to focus on strength and I'm going to do these hard exercises so that when you get to the middle of marathon training you're not just like what you said stressing your body with these like you know loading under 200 pounds of the squat which maybe if you're comfortable with that and if it's become a little bit easier then you can do it but you're not introducing that out of the blue in the middle of a marathon training cycle because you don't want stress on top of stress on top of stress i almost like and people hate this word i actually hate this word too but i kind of look at the strength training during a marathon training cycle as maintenance as like this isn't new like, this isn't the first time I am ever doing a squat in my life, right? right. Like, that's the type of stuff that you want to do beforehand so that when you get to the middle of marathon training, your strength, your strength exercises are not like, oh, my goodness, I'm so tired. I'm so sore that my, I can't move my knee the next day for my run, like all of that kind of stuff, right? So, again, taking the time beforehand putting in those hours of strength training, that, that time to learn it before you start the training cycle, I think is super important as well. <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more. And we had talked yeah. about this in episode 120. I had another amazing PT yeah. on the show, Scott yeah. Greenberg, uh, who yeah. really shared um, some great like strengthening tips. And I talked about Love my it. personal journey of like 
never being able yeah. to deadlift, never being yeah. able to like do heavyweight squats. And I thought like, right. I just couldn't do it. My body wasn't made for it, but I mm-hmm. dedicated all of the winter and base training fees to get my movement patterns, right. To correct those movement patterns, to start yeah. with, I had talked about like ridiculously, like me being in the bar like under the bar at the gym, just like squatting the bar and like all these dudes yeah. like looking around, like, why is this guy only doing the bar? But I knew like, Hey, this is where my body needed to start out. I had to like put exactly. my ego out the door and yep. gradually progress that. And it's so funny. You had mentioned yeah. this because I actually created a reel this morning, um, oh, no post later on yeah. showing my first eight weeks of marathon training has actually included deadlifts and squats of lifting heavy because it wasn't new for me. It was exactly. what I was doing in base training phase. Yes. And now that I'm halfway through, I'm following exactly what you just said. And yeah. now I'm going to more of a maintenance because in right. my whole 12 month calendar, this yeah. next eight weeks is going to be the hardest, most demanding Running. time on my body. And then yeah. I need a taper before the race. So now yeah. my strength training is going to be actually the least amount that I do exactly. in my 12 month cycle. Exactly. Um, so that's so funny that it. you mentioned this. And by the time this is on the podcast, yeah. you guys will have to go back a week or two. Uh, <laughs> to <look at> that <laughs> real. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to see it today. <laughs> <you> can, <laughs> please critique my form. It still needs some no, especially no, the deadlift. No, no. Sure <laughs> I had a hip. Fantastic. I had a hip scope uh, for a labral tear. Oh. And that's actually how I started first running. Is after that. Oh, no way. And my surgeon was like, "Hey, yeah, don't do you know." cardio on the treadmill because that's what I used to do I was like gym rat you know it's like don't do cardio on the treadmill uh go for a run outside and I was like dude like what is that what even yeah people actually run outside like I used to do that for sports and like for punishment as a kid yeah yeah that's how my husband is he he refuses to run outside he only runs on the treadmill when he goes to the strength room and I'm like that sounds awful (laughs) yeah so my, my hip mobility is still, uh, pretty limited, uh, from okay. my FAI on my left side, yeah. but, uh, yeah. yeah. So I love those points about strength training, not introducing something new as yeah. your marathon training that you should have yeah. already been doing in a base training. I love yeah. that. You said it's kind of in quote unquote maintenance period. You're not, you know, you're doing familiar exercises and this is right. the time that I love to double down on the run specific muscles, like the glute yes. knee, right? the side hip yes. muscle, the deep right. external rotators, like my yes. Achilles endurance, like make sure yes. that all those little muscles, the ones that are basically forgotten about by most or not included yes. in most general important. strength plans, but are important yes. for runners and my single leg stability. I feel like, yeah. like this is where I really like double down on those like little yeah really pinpoint specific exercises. What are your thoughts? hundred percent. I completely agree. I mean, that's really what I look at strength training as it's like running is such a motor control activity. Like we kind of just go out there and we run. It's not like we're thinking about our glute need firing when we're standing on one, you know, like that, that's not really what running is for. That's what strength training is for. Like break down those movements, work through them with control. It's about moving through the range of motion that you have, but able, you're able to do it without like falling over or breaking down. And that's also, I think a huge misconception of strength training. I truly believe that if people just slowed down their exercises, like it doesn't really matter what exercise you're doing, just do it slower. Like you don't have to rush a single leg squat. You don't have to rush any of this stuff. 
And you will see it's a lot harder, but you're actually working on that control of that muscular system. And that in turn will, will move towards more stability and more control in like the motor control activity, like running, um, but more subconsciously. Cause I don't think that you have to be thinking about like squeezing this glute muscle and working this part of your calf um, when you're out for a run. I mean, maybe there's times in like injury phases, but like, that's too much to think about. Like I right. like to put in my headphones and go, um, you know, I want that stuff done. And that's actually why, um, I don't really always listen to music when I'm strength training because it's about like moving with intention at that part so that I can enjoy the movement and like kind of, you know, think about other things on my run, which is my favorite part of running. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And yeah. just let your mind, you know, be yeah. free and exactly. you know, all the mental, you know, stresses and to-do lists that we have going on in our heads. Yes. Um, so this was definitely um I, i'm sure we can continue to chat like for two or three more hours oh my goodness but yeah if we had a two or three hour podcast episode probably no one will listen to it so i'm definitely gonna have to have you back on the show um yeah. is there any um you know quick really recommendations or big things that you see for like race day prep for a marathon um for yeah runners? Yeah. Um, race day prep. I mean, I, I mean, I can't stress enough, like in terms of fueling and all that kind of stuff, which I'm sure that Brooke goes over in some of your earlier podcasts, but like that kind of stuff should already be done beforehand. So really setting yourself up for race day is like the best race day prep you can ever have. Like going into race day, you shouldn't be scrambling like, wait a second, which gel should I take? What breakfast should I eat? Like all of this should be thought of beforehand. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're like weeks before your race, I mean, start, start thinking today what you're going to eat on race day. Does that sit well with your body? Try it out. Do it twice. Do it three times. I mean, don't do it every day because you might get sick of that milk come race day. But race day prep is not about waking up on race day and being like, oh, what should I do today? It, it is very much like this is a, a plan that has been set in motion weeks before um, and so that when you're, when you wake up on race day, it's like, everything's done. Like, you know, what breakfast you're eating, you know, what clothes you're wearing, you know, what shoes you're wearing because you have done it before and you're comfortable with it and nothing new changes on race day. And that's like the best piece of advice that I can give at least from also from like my experience this past, uh, spring when I was running races that I didn't think were, um, you know, important. I remember one day I like forgot to put on deodorant because I was rushing so much and I had to stop in CVS and like buy a deodorant oh, and I yes. like threw it out and I was running late, like all of it, just crazy stuff that just made me so much more stressed. And like, right. you know, I've, obviously if you forget deodorant, that sucks. Like nobody's really going to care. But if I had been more prepared and like figured out what I was wearing, already knew my shoes, already knew my breakfast, it probably wouldn't have been as likely to do that. So, so right. preparation, 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 like hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, and that just reiterates yeah. everything that Brooke and I discussed and nothing yeah. new on race day. So I love yeah. it. I love it. And, um, I'm sure there are going to be many runners who really resonated with your message about running yeah. marathon training and want to follow all the great content <laughs> that you help runners with, um, where can our healthy runner community connect with you? Yeah, Instagram's the best place at Train Smart Run Strong. I also have a website, trainsmartrunstrong.com. 
Um, but Instagram DM me, you know, like I'll, I put up question boxes on there. Um, lots of opportunities to connect, which I love to do. Yeah, no, you have an awesome Instagram page. So I would definitely highly recommend everyone start following Victoria and, uh, thank thank you you so much for accepting my invite and coming on the show. Uh, this has been a long time in the making and I'm just so excited, uh, that you were able to share this knowledge with our healthy runner community. Thank you so much, Dwayne. This was so fun. We have to do it again. (laughs) Absolutely. And as always, guys, let's maintain a strong mind, strong body, and just keep running. Until next time. Hey, healthy runners. Have you been listening to this podcast for a while and have been implementing the strategies we talk about on a weekly basis? If so, kudos to you for taking action because we all know those that are successful are those that take action. However, I do talk to many of you runners and you guys are trying to implement the strategies. Maybe you've seen some exercises on my Spark Your Training YouTube channel, but you're just not sure if that is exactly what you should be doing depending upon your situation. So if you're looking for clarity and focus in order to be able to collapse time so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself. That is exactly what we take care of with our team of experts in our one-on-one personalized run coaching program to get you stronger and faster so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. What do you get when you sign up for the Healthy Runner Coaching Program? You get 16 weeks of one-to-one run and strength training, coaching, and accountability. You get strategic one-on-one deep dive coaching on a monthly basis. You get focused feedback on your training on a weekly basis. You get the strength program for running resource library and you get lifetime access to that. You also get an online personalized structured run and strength plan. You get a community of like-minded runners and then access to our trusted healthy runner coaching team made up of certified run coaches, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and personal trainers and fitness instructors. If you are interested in seeing if you are a good fit to work with myself or anyone on our team, then just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Check out the behind the scenes video tour of the program and hear from runners just like you who have been through our program before. We would love to provide you the clarity on what you should be focusing on in your training, whether it is getting stronger with strength training, the specific types of runs you should be doing, or the nutrition you should be fueling your body with for those runs. If you're ready to get the support and accountability you need to take action and put the work in, then I would love to hop on a call with you to see if you're a good fit for a one-on-one healthy runner coaching program. Just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching and get signed up for your enrollment strategy call with me today. Thanks so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's four ways I can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkyourtraining. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sparkyourtraining. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential runners and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner to help you get stronger, faster, so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. 
Lastly, if you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner and want one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team, check out the behind-the-scenes video tour of our coaching program and the stories from many of our athletes who are struggling with the same sticking points that you are right now. Just head to programs.sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Thank you again, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening. Now go and crush your run today.